Welcome back to Disclaimers Aside, a bi-weekly podcast where I share the raw and honest stories of people in my community, Disclaimers Aside. I'm your host, Aisara Amadou, and let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another podcast episode. So this week's episode is actually part two to finding community in creatives with Isatu and Lula Balde. If you haven't listened to part one of this podcast episode, make sure to go back and listen to that one. I'll have it as the first link in the show notes if you guys haven't already given that a listen because that's like part one to this episode and you do need to listen to that episode before diving into this episode. But I'm really excited for you guys to hear the rest of this conversation. This was probably one of my favorite podcast episodes that I've recorded because Isatu and Lula are both just such incredible, smart young women. And I love their love for each other. I love their creativity. They are so wise. And I feel like even just sitting down to have one conversation with them, I learned so, so much from them. In the first episode, we kind of just got into introductions got to know each other a little bit, talked about their lives and how they both go to school in LA and how their relationship changed moving out of their family home and moving in together in college, which is definitely not an experience that everyone gets to necessarily experience. I loved kind of one of the things that they said in the last episode about communication and how communication isn't just communicating how you feel but also thinking about the way that other people receive the way that you communicate this episode has a lot more hidden gems and just a lot more wisdom so i hope you guys enjoy this week's episode before we get into the meat of it i just wanted to give you guys a reminder to follow the disclaimers aside instagram if you guys are not already it's kind of just like a community space for you guys and there's a lot of really fun content that i've been posting over on the podcast instagram with that let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode so one of the big projects that you both work so hard on is the brand lulita can you talk about what lulita is what it means and what the process of starting Lulita was like. Yes. I'm um, very curious because I actually don't know this. Okay, well, let's start from the very, very beginning. So <laughs> Lulita, first let's start with the name of it because uh, I get a lot of questions about that. So because my name is Lula, a lot of people, well, my family side, my mom's fa- my mom's side, sorry, um, all of them used to call me Lulita from Lula. Like, every time I call my, my uh, parents back home, specifically my grandma, it's like, oh, where, where's Lu- uh, Lulita? Da, 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 da. Like, it was always strictly that. So I was like, when I wanted to start Lulita, I was like, that is like the only thing I'm going to have attached to it because I wanted to, it to feel like something connected to myself, my family, something I'm just used to being surrounded with. And I guess I'll talk about when Lulita started, it started in 2020, and basically this was at the time where I started picking up uh, design again and like sketching, just like simple artistic things. Because me and Tito, we both used to like sketch or do. I feel like we've always been pretty creative, but mm-hmm. we never actually like stamped it. It's like we created. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, we didn't really say that like, I'm gonna create. Like it was kind of just on our own time. And so I got in my, I stole my mom's iPad actually. She just eventually gave it to me, and I just. <laughs> I stole my sister's Apple Pen, Procreate. I think I forced, I convinced my mom to pay for me. And from there, I would just, like, 
look up random TikTok tutorials or other tutorials about like drawing things and stuff like that. And for me at first, I wasn't gonna take it seriously because, but somehow every single night of quarantine, it felt like I was doing something regarding regarding some type of some sort of creation. Like it was like whether it was sketching on paper, sketching on the iPad, and like not even sketching stuff that made sense. It was just a matter of like work, like wrist work at that point. It was just doing stuff just to do stuff. And at some point, um, my friend, two of my best friends are from Sudan. And at the time of 2020, there was like a huge flooding crisis that was going on. It was like a nat- national emergency. And um, she called me, She one her name is Real, the youngest one. She called me, she's like, hey, bro, like my mom wants to do some sort of fundraiser. And like, we want to gather people to like, you know, make money from the GoFundMe. We want to send it out to different people. But the thing is... She was like, I just want to be really creative about it, though. I don't really want to just, like, send out links and have people pay. She was like, why don't we just, like, make some merch or something? Like, just make mm-hmm. something. And at this time in my life, I think the day before, I was, like, sitting down and making throughout with Allah that I realized I really, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship, but I never knew it could be for me. Kind of reminds me of what Sinti was saying, where... Allah will send you a sign of like this could be you but you're like no that wrong person <laughs> like don't joke with me so that's kind of wrong be you <laughs> so that's what it felt like for me so it wasn't a coincidence that the very next day she had called me she was like listen and she kind of knew I was like started sketching again and all that stuff she was like bro why don't we just use what you've been making and put it on some sort of item at first we were thinking of t-shirts and stuff like that and so I was like after I got off the call it was like three hours long we came up with the idea of like just do three designs make make post it on our instagram story and go from there and like put it on something so mm-hmm. i was like okay at that point it just felt like allah had aligned me it was like it's n- now or never like you either get a grip right now or you have to wait 20 years and then be sad that you didn't do it so i was like okay and i had no knowledge about business i had no knowledge about how to start a brand small business i heard the name before i was like that's cute but i didn't know what it was and so I remember going up to my parents' room and they were just about to go to sleep. And I was like, guys, I realized, like, I want to start my own thing. Like, I just had this call with Real and I did this and, like, I've been drawing. And I was like, just please make the art for me. Like, I've done all, all I asked. And I was like, okay, good night. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> and then the next morning, I kid you not, and her, she, they wanted to, I think the GoFundMe had already existed at this point. Like, her mom had barely launched it. And then our deadline mind you to build a brand was two weeks two weeks or less two weeks so it was like Lolita's gonna exist in two weeks or forever hold your peace so I was like I need to get a grip right now every freaking day I was on Google searching how how to make a tote bag, how to print on this, how to do this, how to sketch you did this all in two weeks? all of this was self self like taught every single thing procreate digital design you like a lot of people think that i really took my time with the existence of Melita. yeah no I, that's I, what i thought no like i was in the back i had the idea yeah. i just need the plan you know something like this like i would think it would no it was like six months and i kid you not when i see people with brands where like i've been working on this project for three months well it's like I don't have envy for them, but I really wish that was me in the sense of, like, there, if, you, if you have a small business or creative platform, even like you do, you know how much goes into it. Yeah. So to condense that, it's like, you're Was not it well. over the summer, at least? It was over... It was... No, no, no. Oh, this is during school. This is the craziest part. No, no, no. We launched the Sunday... The, the day before I had my first day of um, freshman year of college. 
Wow. The night before. SubhanAllah. At night. Oh, no, no, the morning, like Sunday morning. And yeah, I was Sunday. Me, oh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm literally reliving this. So, two weeks of straight, I'm like working and working every day. Me and Real, like, we go to, and I couldn't drive at this point. Uh, why? I don't know. There's many things <laughs> not on my bucket list. It wasn't driving. You were busy starting brands. Like, exactly. Driving, that come next. But Real, we drive to Michael's. We went to. All the little creative stores that we had in, in Rancho Cucamonga. And shout out to Rancho. That place helped me. <laughs> we were driving around. We bought, I remember we first bought tote bags from Rancho and then, or Rancho, Michaels. And then we would come home to my house and like figure out all this stuff. And then when it got to the point of like, I was like, okay. At first I searched up. I said, real, listen, we could just, I can make the design, find a place that prints, like order online, just do a huge order. I searched it up. One tote bag for a design was like $30. I was like, you might as well just, just tell me to, to leave it alone at this point. <laughs> Seriously. So at this point, it's like five days into my research. And at this point, it's like Allah's telling me more, like, do it yourself. Just do it yourself. Yeah. So I had to start from scratch again. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. It took me another three days to search on how to how to heat press, how to find this, what materials, where to find them from. And I had to order everything from Amazon, like rush order. All my material supplies, like Amazon, like different order sites, everything. Like I had to figure out USPS shipping, all this stuff. And Wait, so, so you had to do all of this, including create the actual product yes, in two weeks? Yes, design, manufacture, all of this. Wow. And so, and then finally when it came to like the physical design, the night real came over, we're like, okay, bro, we need to, we need to get this done. Let's get the paper, the tote bag, all of that. We put it on the heat press. Oh my God, this was like... I never have felt so nervous in my life. I genuinely felt like I was prepared for the SATs at this point. Literally, it was not working. The first couple, we wasted like three, four bags. And we yeah. did not have that big of a supply. At this point, we spent like $200. No, more than that. I was stressed. I was like, no, the, the, mm. making a brand is not for me. Like, I don't know why Allah put me in this position if I can't handle it, clearly. So, and I genuinely remember this this moment. And I knew I was going to remember it like forever. I was like, okay, and Rhea was on the phone with one of her other friends from UCLA. They were having a conversation. I was like, okay, listen, it's Maghrib time. I need to go pray. I went into the next room, and at this point, my dad was renovating the entire house. So he was like, so everything was messy, and it was dark in the room. And I never made, like, the most desperate type of prayer in my life. I literally just remember making throughout over and over. I was like, yeah, Allah, like, just prove to me that this is meant for me. Please, like, I just want this so bad, and I feel like... All my hard work needs to go to something. And so I was like, okay, time to go back to work. We'll see if it happens. The next tote bag that I put on that heat press, <laughs> I said, hey, God, I need my answer. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> the next time I put on the heat press, I took it off. And I literally, all of us just started screaming around the house. Because everything wow. worked. Oh, my, little pizza. Like, yeah. we were lit. Like, time, my dad was like, oh, I'm so proud. Everyone was, like, dapping each other up. Because we were like, okay, alhamdulillah, we have a starting point. And so we uh, a couple of days go on, and at this point, now we have we scheduled a photo shoot. Me, Real, and Rana, and their two Sudani sisters, and then Sadia, another friend of ours, and she's also from Sudan. And then I said to her, me, we're like, all right, let's go to Claremont Colleges, take our pictures. And I've always been pretty like handsy with the camera, like I enjoy it. So I was like, I we don't need a photographer, I got it. So we take pictures at the park, we take our photos, blah blah blah. And then everyone's like, and at this point, me and Real were like, okay, we need to launch literally tomorrow. Like, I don't care what happens. Like, wow. we have to launch. This was Saturday. We finished printing on like Thursday or Friday. Then we said Saturday. Then Sunday. Packaging was not a question. Financial sheet was not a question. Brand was not a question. Like, there was nothing done. So Sunday morning, 
I'm like, okay, we have to edit a TikTok. Let's make this. Let's make that. Like, let's just do what we, we know best and figure it out. And I feel like at this point, 2020, a lot of people started making small businesses. Yeah. But the way small businesses exist now was not the era that I wish I was a part of. Like, it was, it, <laughs> right now it's very clean, bougie cut. Everyone gets a graphic designer. No, back then, like, there was nothing to, um, like, be of help. So I was like, okay. And this is, mind you, this is really the short version of it. Because now that I think about it, a lot went into it in two weeks. And so, the next morning, I remember sitting down in my bed, and I was like, okay, I'm editing the TikTok. I think it took me all morning, all morning to the afternoon. Finally got the TikTok done, and every, they're all texting me in the group chat. They're like, Lula, when can we post our version? Like, when can we, you know, when can we post? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait, give me a second, give me a second. So, at this point, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a <laughs> photographer. No, so I'm media a video, hot, video like, editor. Every hat is coming off of the egg. Hold on, I need the caption. Give me a second. Give me a second. <laughs> so then I send it to them. I'm like, here's the final cut. Y'all send me whatever content you have. Tell me what you're going to post, blah, blah, blah. And I had made the Instagram account a couple of days ago. No one knew about it, whatever. And then, okay, I was like, oh, mind you, I forgot main, major detail. A couple of weeks before all of this, I had made an Etsy shop for, like, digital prints and stuff. Oh. And that's when I was like, okay, I kind of want to, like, do this seriously. So it started off with Etsy. That's why I had an Etsy link open. You were testing the waters. Right. And I had to convince my mom to let me do it. For some reason, she didn't want me to win. I don't know why she didn't want me there. Truly, they always say they don't want to see you do it. They think it's a bad idea. But then when you start doing it, they're like, wow. Like, you're so talented. You should have done this earlier. Oh, like, oh really? Okay. Uh, At this point... I was like, okay, we just have to do it. I get all the pictures ready, the announcing post, dropping it. And I'm like, I literally just start crying. Like, right before posting, I literally just start bawling my eyes out because I wanted it so bad. I wanted at least something to come of it. And I was, I think I was crying from the fear of not knowing what it's going to bring me. Like, I didn't know where this was going to take me at all. So I was like, you know what? I just have to do it. I, I literally press post. I'm like, okay, guys, it's up. Literally launch my iPhone device and I'm like, Sinti, let's go out. Let's go to that cafe that we like going to. Go to the cafe. Because me, I'm an overthinker and I didn't want, I'm to have it, too much anxiety. I put my phone away. I didn't take it with me because I was like, I don't want to see one notification. Because if I see no notifications, I'm literally yeah. going to pass out. So I was like, okay, whatever. Let's just go eat, enjoy our time, be present, whatever. I come back, bro. It's as if, like, I manifested it for myself. You know when you see those on Etsy, the notifications that it gives you on your home screen? And I was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling for a good, like, 10, 10 15 seconds. That's, wow. like, we sold out. We sold everything out. Mashallah. And I literally, like, there was nothing but tears. I was like, so Allah was telling me that it was meant for me this entire time. But I just, I kind of, everything was, I was blind. That's why now... Like the scissor song. Yeah, exactly. So now, um, and I said you could speak about your part of like, you know, being part of the Utah and everything. But I would say now is when I'm actually rebranding, which is really exciting. We're rebranding. Very exciting. 2023 is going to be a different vibe, inshallah. Like, it's I'm starting from scratch like I did in 2020, and I'm really excited about everything. And now is the time that I'm actually learning about, like, the professional nitty-gritty details about business that aren't talked about of like mm. sales tax and how to um make sure to have a financial sheet make sure to have different logos because i don't know if you guys have noticed lolita does not have a logo by the way i loved the side note this is so unrelated no, but i love the old instagram profile oh, with the yes. yellow lettering yeah, yeah. so fire yeah. like if you ever Need a design like re- yeah. remix. Okay, I know, like I'm not supposed to be in this, but you're like 
Your Bliss to Go shirt mm-hmm. is so fire. Oh, thank so you. I was, yeah, was, when I was buying, I was trying to choose between like the. Do you guys have a sticko toe, right? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to choose between that one and the bubble mm-hmm. gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was so excited when I saw both of you guys purchase. Oh, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm excited for what 2023, inshallah, is going to bring. And the rebranding process has been a lot. And that could be a whole separate conversation itself. But a lot of people think thought or really assumed that I took so much time with Lita before bringing it to life and I felt like that's why I had a lot of imposter syndrome like even till now I think I feel like I'm not I'm worthy as a business owner I'm worthy as a person who can create a brand but before I felt like I definitely wasn't because I didn't get the six months I didn't get the financial advisor it was me my computer real on the phone and mom and dad and Tito looking at me I didn't know how to make an Instagram look aesthetic I didn't know any of that I just had I just liked the vibe it was a lot of burnout for sure, mm-hmm. but I feel like now, as I'm taking steps to a brand, I want to do everything correctly and make sure I really feel like Lolita is a part of me, because it is, but I felt like for a long time, because I didn't get the time to really wa- do how I wanted it to be, and a lot of imposter syndrome, I just felt like I would never talk about Lolita. Like, everyone would be like, oh yeah, Lolita's a brand, I would never, like, be like oh yeah, like that's the part that's why it's not on my instagram like a lot of people for a long time didn't know it was me behind it like a lot of people i just never it's not that i didn't care it just felt like like i said a lot of imposter Imposter syndrome syndrome. i know exactly what you're talking about exactly especially in creative spaces like to to validate your work in front of other people is like no i'd rather not Yeah. yeah but that's the creation of Lolita, and I said she was a part of this entire journey, by the way. Shorty was the one funding everything. <laughs> she was a financial advisor, honestly, but I want her to t- tell her own story. I feel like in the beginning, I was kind of like, it sounds weird, but I feel like I was kind of like a ghost, like watching from afar, because uh, by that point, I had started my sophomore year, and I was taking physics and biology at the same time, and so oh, I was like man. going through it, so like... Yeah. I would, like, come downstairs and check in on the creation and then, like, go back upstairs and, like, do my flashcards. <laughs> but, like, I have to know it worked out because I ended up doing well in the classes. But it was just very interesting to kind of, like... I feel like in the beginning, I don't think I was as involved um, in terms of, like, the hands-off... Hands-on stuff. So I think I, like, a lot of my aspect, like Lula mentioned, was basically, like, just, like, trying to fund it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then I think now... Like, presently, I feel like I have more of um, a presence a presence, and also just, like, a hands-on approach. But I also do really resonate with what Lula said in terms of, like, imposter syndrome. Because, like, seeing my sister be able to design and draw and all that stuff and just feeling like I couldn't contribute any of that did make me feel like I couldn't claim it as much. Recently, like, I've just been giving myself more space to explore myself creatively and then that's where like the poetry aspect came in and then also introducing the black creative series because i realized i was really interested in storytelling um and i knew that like lula didn't just want it to be like a tote bag business but also for it to be just like a creative outlet where the entire community can benefit from it whether or not they're purchasing something from it so i feel like that's where my role started coming in and then that's when i started putting it in my bio as well but yeah i'm glad you both put in your bios because i feel like it's hard because you don't want to come across or you don't want to be like especially as muslims like humility is a huge thing in islam Mm, and you don't want to be arrogant yeah but like it's also challenging because i feel like we're conditioned to not want to claim our success or claim the things that we're doing but we need to we're pouring like our hearts and our souls into our work and you know it's something that we should share with people so i i definitely get the struggle 
agree. But that leads me on to the next question, actually. I remember the first time I realized the Lolita site also had a blog. I was in class. I was in my intellectual property class. <laughs> and the professor for that class was so boring that I would read the New York Times. Um, and then one day I was like, let me go on Lolita and like browse around. And I found the blog. Yeah. So the first article that I, I, I binge read all the post that you had but i the first one i remember reading was the one on your favorite spots in la mm. and honestly like something that i love about reading the blogs is how personal they are like it feels like you're reading someone's diary mm. like it's so beautiful and so touching you can really see like the emotion that you guys put into your writing and that's what I, that's one of the aspects i love is that it's not just like a shop that you uh, a shop that you buy from you build this connection when you read the writing too um, Thank you, that actually yeah, that. <laughs> no it, it truly is an experience and what i'm curious about is like where do you guys find like your inspiration for like the stories that you guys tell on lolita mm. well first i'll preface by saying ICT was like the writer, reader of the family. And a lot of our conversations, I feel like, are pretty deep. I'm not going to lie. Like, me and Sidhu, like, we are able to have a long conversation about absolutely nothing and then becomes, like, everything. And I remember over the summer, Sidhu was talking, really interested in journalism. A lot of her work that she would talk about was, like, just documenting different things through writing and, and poetry and all of that and at the time I had came to realization that I wanted Lolita to be more than a, a small shop like I wanted to have both of our art live and whatever we create live for a long time and like I feel like everything that you put in a shop 100% is going to live but over time like you want to change the vibe and it's only a product versus like a blog like you said like you're able to really reflect and think and and come up with different questions like ask the person about it so i put the two together and i was like bro let's just put a blog up and like i that was my way of motivating setu that she could do it because i feel like a lot of times she felt like no i'm not that like content creator who like gives reviews or like think shows or think pieces like it was all in her notes and I was like, girl, no, let's be You've got to share that with the world. Yeah, I was like, and a lot of people love, like, conversations that they have with Setu. So I was like, let's just make it a thing. So that's how the blog came to life, alhamdulillah. And so far, it's been so good. And hearing everyone's thoughts about, like, Setu's pieces specifically. Because that was the main reason. I would say every blog is a little bit different. But I feel like the root of all of them is intentionality. And what I mean by that is, like, intentional to what you really think like about a certain thing i feel like focusing on the general aspect of trying to appeal to a specific audience can genuinely mess with your head sometimes as you really can like you think about what you have to say okay let me not say that da, 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 and you're not being genuine so i feel mm -hmm. like when you're intentional about your words what you're going to put out there what you're going to create creations come to life better than you'd ever expect because at the mm -hmm. end of the day when people read the blog when they come to it they leave seeing a part of themselves there and i feel mm -hmm. like that's been a lot of the, the feedback that we've gotten from our blog is that they said that it felt like a diary it just mm -hmm. felt like a conversation that i haven't even really thought about but i was like okay yeah i agree i like that and even as simple as things about like things i loved in la i don't know when i made that i think it was last year it was like around fall time and i was just like oh i just want to talk about it was like a way to dabble into blogging like i was like i don't know what style i want but let me start with what i know 
And then from there, it slowly got more and more specific about different aspects of love that we did with Tahira. And that was an amazing piece. Of Such a great together. piece. Yeah. That was, I, I was like the editor behind it and just reading through everything was like, oh, this is lovely. Seriously, and, modern day bell hooks, you guys. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. But I would say inspiration comes from a lot of our conversations that we have with each other and our friends. And I also think a lot of inspiration comes from remembering to be intentional about whatever we try to put out there i would say for me inspiration i think specifically with the black creative series and just like the the article that i did with tahira i feel like a lot of the inspiration just comes from like storytelling and i think also recently i've like really loved the idea of um the way art can live beyond the people that create it so like archives and all of those different things and I've always found that very fascinating because I remember when I was younger I loved going through my parents photo album like I loved just going through old photos and just staring at them for hours on end and being like wow like people like at a certain point I didn't exist but these times and events and pictures did and it that's always very fascinating to me it sounds weird but humans are also fascinating to me too like me and my friend trinity talk about how we love ourselves a good human because (laughs) 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 being like they're just so expansive and there's so much that a human being can do to be able to hear the stories about how they became the way they were was always very fascinating to me and so i think a lot of the inspiration was just really the the love that i had for storytelling because i love i love reading but just the simple fact that like there's a human being on this earth that has like an amazing story that another person across the world could heavily relate to so i think it was just also the idea of wanting to hear other people's stories but also to put it in a way that's accessible and that other people can be able to you know read it because also i feel like one thing that we don't acknowledge enough is that it's through storytelling and reading that many of us are able to see ourselves in the world if that makes mm-hmm. sense or like take up space if you if you think about it like for example like the digital sisterhood podcast right or even your podcast I love TBS. <laughs> yeah exactly or even your podcast right you're you're sharing stories of other people that other listeners are able to tune into and be like wow i said to like that story that you shared with us is so relatable or even when you shared your own story many of us don't realize that we're kind of afraid to take up space in the world and it isn't until we hear other people's stories that we're like oh wow like i can see myself yeah. doing this yeah. and i think that was the main reason for the black creative series especially with like noon and uma it heavily impacted me because like seeing two people that were not only involved in healthcare and education but were also so involved in the creative fields like uma a photographer noon a poet mm-hmm. and also taking that aspect of their creativity seriously i think is so important for black people and just like children of the diaspora in general and so i think that was my inspiration just really just loving and adoring stories of human beings but also just like wanting to create an accessible way for community to just happen because really if you just like disperse the stories out in the world and you just let it be like somehow people will find connection with each other and i think that's 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 my favorite part about it about it 
I love that. So I think a lot of people think of LA as this hub for creatives because of Hollywood and the whole industry that goes with that. I remember there was a huge trend of like influencers moving from like whatever corner of the US they're from, <laughs> like the Midwest, all to LA. No, literally. And now it's interesting because now they're all moving to New York. But would you say living in LA has helped or impacted or even hindered your guys' experiences as creatives? And do you feel like the world kind of glamorizes LA for that reason? I would say LA or LA is definitely glamorized in a way that doesn't speak to like the true community that takes up a lot of space there. And I feel like there's a lot of red lining that you'll notice very early on. Like there's mm-hmm. a very stark difference between like the rich and the poor and and that separation between the two and um, what surrounds them. Especially when you go around places where there's like a food desert and you could tell like their local stores aren't Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. It's it's like food for less and different things like that. So I think LA is genuinely the most one of the most glamorized places in the world. Besides like I don't know Paris, New York. Like it's it's just another hot spot that people take advantage of and I feel like a lot of influencers they just see like the cute quirky Melrose spots and the flea markets and they think that's all of LA but the reality is is the traffic the pollution um the homeless population that keeps increasing a lot of places are are dirty but for what reason like when you get to the root of it why are these places dirty Mm -hmm. why are these places so heavily populated so I feel like um that's one aspect of my perspective I also feel like when it comes to creativity in general a lot of these people move there to be the best creative and a lot of Seriously. there's so many creative spaces safe spaces <laughs> i put that in quotation marks because at some point it feels so performative it feels it like is. it's yeah. so performative i feel like a lot of people don't talk about it because well speaking for myself i don't go out in the world and call myself a creative i feel like if you are a creative you live and act by it in every element of your life that it doesn't need to be something that i tagline in my instagram because like creativity is not just about what you did put on paper or what book that you know how to really talk about it's also like the very simple arrangements that your eye pays attention to that people just naturally don't operate like that like only you think like that which makes you that you created it's and that. personal to you it, it's yeah. so personal so i feel like when la a lot of people there try to bring that and create the and mind you no one talks about this but <laughs> la people they don't chat to each other you can go to any LA event. No one speaks, but it's like the post on Instagram. I went to the really they look like spot. they're besties, but yeah. no, in real life, when you pop up to these events, you're actually like every everyone just looks dead, bro. But mind you, they tag each other on Instagram. But if you really talk to any of them, they're like, no, I actually hate this space. I hate this. I hate that. And a lot of them are depressed. So I feel like the creative spaces. Don't get me wrong. There's a hella cool people in LA, and there's like so much opportunity there to like make a brand, start this, start that, and, like, do what you want. But at the same time, I feel like it's so rinsed out to the point where the authenticity that lies there is very, is very small. Because even if you look at some of the stuff that people bring to, bring to life with their own brand or own creation, a lot of the times it's simply because they know really, really cool influencers and, like, really, really top dog people versus, like, the real communities of L.A., the black and brown spaces where a lot of creatives are rooted there they just don't have the funding to do all of that but somebody will literally draw a line on a t-shirt and suddenly like because they got some rapper to wear they they're making money and like good for them at the end of the day because i feel like someone's hustle someone's hustle but i just feel like 
it takes away from the real importance of bringing the real community of LA like the spotlight that they deserve and like all the creatives and the artists and not even non-creatives like all this spotlight that they deserve and that's really taken away by people who move there or people who just like just really fuel this idea of creatives and creative spaces the same spaces to the ground when it's like I don't know I, I personally as a creative if you want to call me that I just I don't really align with those outlets because it kind of just feels performative very performative and it's to the point where it's like what are we actually talking about right now like it just it's like Seriously. it's like a lot of events and people just talk at each other with really flowery language and they take a picture yeah. like seeing that trend is so interesting because i feel like i grew up half of my life like an hour away from la and mm. i had a different perception of la than like what social media and youtube presents it as mm-hmm. But I just feel like you can be a creative from anywhere. If you have to go to, if you have to travel and move to a city mm-hmm. to label yourself as a creative, maybe you're not a creative. Let's just start from there. Tell your authentic story wherever that is in the world. And I feel like we shouldn't perpetuate like hegemony mm-hmm. of like, you have to be in New York, you have to be in LA. To create. To create, to, create, to tell your story. Is, no. I think, yeah, that's, that's such a good point because one thing I was thinking about was that like, Many of us don't realize that we deprive whatever communities we come from of our own creativity and our own art mm-hmm. when we think it's meant to be in places like LA or New York. Yeah, like, it's it, like I, I do understand mm-hmm. the drive behind it because I think in a capitalistic world and with prices rising, I think people need to be able to secure a bag in any way that they can. Mm-hmm. But I do think if we're talking about it in terms of creativity and cultivating community i think we do our own communities a huge huge injustice if we choose to go out and produce that creativity somewhere else when we're really when really what gave us that creativity was whatever community that we grew up in you know and i also think that just this glamorization of la in general it kind of just like diminishes what creativity means and also the personalization of it Mm -hmm. because i mean obviously we've seen with the rise of tiktok we see like now you can go to almost any fast fashion like website and all of like the categories are tiktok like popular tiktok search bars which is like it's it's like it's crazy it's crazy because there's almost like no originality and not to be that person like oh my god no one's original but it's kind of the idea that like uh, a lot of what like is creativity and is fashion is really based on how you're feeling for that day and it's really based on the type of person that you are like i like one of my friends was talking about how like she kind of grew up in the area in the era of like mary kate and ashley oh my god early 2000s literally and she like was obsessed with that fashion and like for that to be something that she was genuinely obsessed with and she really loved and then now to see people like trying to recreate that aesthetic or fashion on tiktok because it's the new thing like then it does kind of blur the lines of where where is it authentic and and when does it become something that we're simply doing for the masses which i think is what i've seen a lot in la Mm -hmm. um but i think the part of glamorization that frustrates me is is it kind of erases a lot of the people that are native to la and a lot of the people that have lived there for generations and like You'll see people that will come to LA and describe it as fake and toxic, but you're also coming to a place, and because of your income, you're also gentrifying that place at the same time, raising up prices and making it difficult for people to live in their own home and then contribute, contributing to the unhoused population there. So yeah. it's... 
very it, it's a lot but i think that in terms of like creativity i think a lot of the authenticity and just like the genuine aspect of it can get lost because of the fact that it's glamorized yeah i also another thing that i just thought of too when it comes to la is like there, i feel like there should be a difference made between the creative spaces that exist and a lot of them like the white creative spaces or non-black creative spaces versus like black creative spaces and i feel like as a black or being a black creative in a non-black creative space a lot of it i forgot uh, i don't know her name but she's in she's the mom in blackish i don't know if you guys know her oh, oh. yeah yeah she had this one video where she was talking about how she wanted to bring a short documentary or something like that about the concept of black women's hair or just like the hair what hair means in black communities and stuff like that and a lot of it i don't think it actually got like sponsored or i forgot she, what she was searching for like you know once you make a, a script or an idea you have to like mm. present it for people to the to, brand yeah. yeah for them to actually like approve it yeah exactly and i guess i don't know if it got approved or not or something like that but she her basically her main point was that as black creatives or a lot of it is spending emotional cash and what she meant by that was you have to constantly go out of your way to prove that you're even worthy of any single thing and especially if you, as a creative a lot of times you don't want to put your creativity out there because you just feel like it's so special so individual that you don't know the fear of being told no sometimes overwhelms the idea of even continuing to create or like put it out there so i feel like in la there's a lot of that a lot of emotional cash spent because i feel like non-black creatives or a creative um let's say like white creatives right the comparison is so back to my point earlier where i was saying someone could just draw a line and like make money from it because they have all these connections a lot yes. of the times that will be non-black creatives who get those opportunities whereas black and brown creatives and who exist in la in like um lower or like not not as funded spaces and communities they don't want to get that chance and it's so obvious when you look at the type of work that's produced from them versus black and brown communities and creatives if that makes any sense at all but like i feel like a lot of that exists in la and is very obvious and it's like if only they got the same opportunity how much work and like what type of cre creativity could they bring to life compared to other people who do have the money but you could tell they don't really take advantage of the fact that they are a creative. Like, to them, it doesn't really mean that much, if that makes sense. But I feel like that a lot of LA has that. We're just performative once again. To be a creative as a black person is so, like, revolutionary and so radical. Because we've been so focused on survival. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I feel like, for white people, they've been allowed to have that space to be creative. Exactly. And so it's almost as if... Not saying that they're all taking it for granted, but it's not as as radical as a black creative a like yeah. and so there can be that disconnect almost where yeah versus other i've no i've met like many black creatives where that's literally their life yeah and without that there's no other thing they can survive on versus so when you enter la you see all these influencers who's come from everywhere it's like you're taking advantage of so much privilege that you're not even aware of that you have and exactly. it's like if we even got an ounce of that imagine what we could create so but, yeah. okay so what has been the most rewarding aspect of starting lulita so far honestly meeting you guys like making friends stop no, like, i feel like oh, i swear i feel like okay you're shaking her head over there she agrees with me she knows but i feel like community is i would say it's been the most rewarding part i also feel like 
been given the chance and making a platform for both of us to continue creating has also been so rewarding because I feel like without that, like the two-week deadline that I had, if I didn't have that, I would still be at home wondering when, when, when. So it was kind of like I had to be in a forced position to like get a grip right then and there or was it going to happen? So I feel like being able to create has been so rewarding. I also think community. I've met a lot of really cool people and great friends that um, I'll always be connected to in some way or form, whether that's through a blog post or like a shared Instagram or even just like a lot of virtual friends, whether they know me personally or they just know about Lolita in general. So I feel like that's been the most rewarding part. I definitely would say community and just like being able to get to know people, especially as a socially anxious person myself. I was kind of forced to like not be that. Like yeah. I was forced to really put myself out there in a way that was very uncomfortable. So I would say, yeah, my three main points is being uncomfortable, finding community, and also being able to create more mine is also very similar to you in terms of like cultivating community like literally without Lita, i would not be able to meet so many amazing people like even you and like rakia like being able to have conversations with you guys and then also being able to learn about your guys' stories mm -hmm. and to me i feel like lolita is more than just the business like, it is and it's 100%. very interesting because I feel like me and you had um, like a relationship online before Lulita even started, but then also being able to like, I don't, being able to not only just witness our own creative journey, but then also witnessing yours with like mm -hmm. the podcast, the YouTube channel, and just like your transfer to Berkeley, all of that. Like, it's just amazing because I didn't realize like art could connect people in that way mm -hmm. and then also just being able to like go online and be on instagram randomly and then like randomly see a picture of a lolita bag in the back mm -hmm. and it's like oh wow like <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the most rewarding part just being able to like lula said just feel connected with people and especially black muslim people yeah that's the best part about it i i think for me that's the most rewarding part like i said i love me a good human so i love me a good human i love being around people so much and the fact that lulita forces us to always be in socialization and in community with people that's probably the most rewarding part yeah of it all. no i agree anything creative like the most rewarding aspect is 100% the community that you yeah. find yeah. so where can they find you on social media shout out everything and I'll put all the links in the show notes okay. uh, you can I mean my personal one you can find yes um, Isotu Baldi underscore underscore un underscore oh <laughs> underscore thank you thank, thank you. you you guys can find my uh, digital diary at Setu's archive Period. And Lulita at Lulita Atelier. Atelier, for a lot of people who don't know, just means workshop in French. But um, yeah, that's our Instagram for Lulita, and then my personal is just my middle name, Lula. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. Yes, Seriously, of this is a good one. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow Isatu and Lula over on their social media. Also, shop Lulita. I will have the Lulita site in the show notes as well as all of the social media where you can engage with Lulita's content. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Follow Disclaimers Aside on Instagram. And I would love if you guys would take a minute to rate and review this week's episode. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>